What is going on, y'all? My name is Mitchell, and I am so excited to be back with you here today. Uh, We are studying a passage in Galatians. We're looking at chapter 2, verse 11 through 16. But before we get started, I'm just going to pray for us as we enter into this time of worship and direct our attention to God. Dear God, I thank you so much for this day today, and I thank you for the opportunity that we have to freely read your word. Lord, I thank you for Paul and the example that he set and uh, this message that he wrote to the church at Galatia. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me in this time, and I thank you for all your wisdom. Lord, I pray that you will open up our hearts and minds so that we can hear the message uh, that you have for us today. In your name we pray, amen. All right, well, I want you to think about the last time that you were called out for something. Like somebody saw an action that they didn't like or you weren't, you weren't representing well, and they called you out for it. It could have been over text, over the phone, in person, whatever. But I want you to think about it. And we'll assume in this scenario that the person who called you out was right. They were well-informed. They nailed it. I can remember a time my junior year of high school I was somewhat new to ASM, but I was getting comfortable. I started to know people, uh, I had some friends, but I decided to go to Albania. I knew that it was the good Christian thing to do. I could serve, I could travel a bit, eat some great food, you get it. I had some wrong intention. But my friend Jake, he noticed some of my cavalier attitude about this trip. He knew I wasn't really caring about service. I just kind of wanted to go. And he was right. He, he had the feeling that I wasn't quite ready for a trip like that. So one day he, he texted me saying, hey, I just wanted to send you a text uh, saying that I feel like you're not quite committing to this trip. There have been some people in the past who didn't commit and, and they lost a bit of money or they uh, went and really didn't have a good experience. I think you need to either commit or get out before you invest any more time and money into this process. Also, you're making some inappropriate jokes at ASM, you need to stop. And that was the text. I could probably find it if I looked for it. We've laughed about it a number of times. It was pretty blunt and it was pretty funny. Uh, It's the most direct that him and I have ever had to be with each other. But ultimately, he felt the need to send me that text Because he knew my actions did not reflect dedication to what I was doing. And more so, he knew that I was saying something, but acting another way. I was being a hypocrite. And to cap it all off, my inappropriate jokes weren't even that funny. And ultimately, this is just a super minor example of what Paul is doing to Peter in our text today. Paul sees that Peter is misleading the church. He's adding rules to the gospel. So let's take a look at our text today and we can see what I mean. And I'll encourage you to go grab a physical Bible, pause it. It's just better to look at a physical Bible so you can see and hear this text. But let's take a look at Galatians 2, 11 through 16. When Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, 
so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, or Peter, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul sees Peter is doing something pretty bad here. So he goes right up to Peter and says, dude, why are you doing this? It's wrong. In summary, what Peter was doing here is he was adding to the gospel. When he was on his own, someone would ask him, hey, what foods can we eat? And he would say anything. There's no restrictions. But when this group of conservative and not Republican conservative that you think today, I'm talking conservative Jewish men that Peter was likely intimidated uh, intimidated by, when these people came to Peter and his church, the same question would be asked, and he began to tell people that there were food restrictions. He would change the way that his church was ran when certain people were present. This isn't Paul confronting Peter over some dispute they had a while ago where Peter ate the last Oreo and Paul's upset now. Peter is misleading his church. He's forcing them to do things that they don't have to do and they probably don't want to do. And that's a huge problem because the gospel is driven by Christ and not law. The church is beginning to backslide into its Jewish roots where the law is, was the reason for all of this. People began to worship the law. It was the reason they behaved. Peter was treating the law both as means to an end, but also the end. And that's just not how it ought to be. Because we know the end. We know what we're striving for. It's a perfect relationship with Christ. And the means to that are by Christ's death and resurrection. We see this spelled out in so many of Paul's other letters, but one specifically in Ephesians, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Adding, the rule, adding rules to the gospel does nothing except tarnish it. And that's why Paul has to be so harsh about this. But what's interesting here is that Peter is adding rules to the gospel because he felt pressured. The problem that we are running into today is that we're feeling pressure to remove rules from the gospel. How this looks today is when a friend asks you what your thoughts are on a topic, you might sugarcoat it so that you don't lose the friend. You might violate some part of your beliefs because you don't want to maybe intimidate them, intimidate them or hurt their feelings. And we as the American church, less on the individual level, 
are being pressured to remove rules so that we can fall into this general societal morality so that everyone can agree. And it's actually quite interesting that the social pressure back then were these conservative religious people, but today it's the non-religious. And there's a delicate balance to be found here because we know that we have to change how we present the gospel to people. We've talked about it in depth last week. People need to hear different things addressed when the gospel is being shared to them. That is precisely why we have four different books of gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are all presented to a different audience and in a very different way. But regardless of how we present the gospel, we must not change the gospel we present. Because there is only one gospel, and we cannot make it any better, and we can't make it up. And the gospel is Jesus Christ. But with that light, what we see here is that Paul isn't doing some personal attack on his friend, trying to embarrass him in front of a group. He is doing what he can to preserve the gospel to the best of his ability. And this makes sense because Paul has just spent the last two chapters talking about the gospel and how pure it is and how pure we must keep it. Because the gospel is driven by Christ, not law. And there's an interesting detail that Paul does not forget to leave out. It's the fact that he brings this up in front of the whole class. He isn't taking Peter aside like he might do in other situations. He's calling him out in front of them all. He says in his text, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish custom? But why isn't he taking him aside in private? That's what we're supposed to do, right? Well, let's take a look at where we see that instruction and we'll go from there. In Matthew 18, verse 15, it tells us, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Okay, so why didn't Paul go to Peter in private first? Well, A, he could just be doing it wrong. That's a possibility. He could have just messed up, done it wrong. That's that. But B, he could have already gone to Peter. They could have already had a private conversation, and Peter didn't take it so well. And so it's time to do it in front of a group. But I truly believe that the most likely reason that Peter did this in public is, and it's ultimately the reason that Paul felt the need to mention that it was in public, is because it was a public sin that was affecting people in the church. It implies that there is a group of people that were all teaching this doctrine and that they were all incorrect. The church had to hear this correction so that they too could be corrected. 
And the reason this is such a big issue is that adding rules to the gospel is a gospel issue. Instead of us being by being saved by faith and grace alone, Peter, to gain the approval of people, was saying, and forcing people, however he did that, to eat certain foods and to follow certain customs. And this was all in order to earn salvation from Jesus. And this is a gospel issue. We've continued to say in ASM that Jesus plus something equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the point of this all. But we also must see how dangerous this is and how it appears in our lives. We can recall that this church in Galatia has, a, has existed for less time than some of you have been in ASM. And there's already these deep-rooted issues coming up. And that's why you must be paying attention to this. Because you're growing up in the church. You, you are the next generation of church leaders. That's crazy to think about. But you're all going to be sharing the gospel to people, to students, to people younger than you in just a number of years if you're not already. We ask you all the time, why does any of this matter? And it's usually in response to a sermon. I'm going to ask you that today. But do you ever wonder why we do all of this in ASM? Why we hold Wednesday nights, why we hold Sunday mornings, why we put on events? Even so, have you ever wondered why you come to Wednesday nights, why you come to ASM? I can tell you, we do these things at ASM because we have been entrusted to share the gospel. We've been tasked with telling you these things to make sure that, and make sure that they are conveyed as correctly as possible to you. And Paul tells us not to hold these things lightly. That's why we have this example here today. And when we share these things, our hope is that the Holy Spirit will work in you so that you talk to your friends. You invest in your one life, as we talked about this Sunday. You go and plant seeds so that you use your opportunities to share the gospel as you've been entrusted as well. But this is all dependent on the gospel, not anything that we could do by works. And there is never, ever something that we can add to it to make it better. And we can, again, use this correction from Paul as a reminder of that. Because the gospel is driven by Christ, not law. So I'm going to finish today by asking you, why does any of this matter? And to follow up with that, why is it important that we don't edit the gospel? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for what you've entrusted us with. Lord, you have entrusted all of us with this gospel. And I ask that we steward it well. Lord, I thank you so much for sending your son to die for us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you work in us and through us and change hearts as we remain faithful to you and the gospel that you have given us. Lord, I pray that you be with us in our weeks and that you soften our hearts to ways that we may become calloused 
And I thank you so much for this time of worship. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We can't wait to see you next week.